Well, well, well. This is the Chicago Grown Folk Podcast. Now, you've already clicked and come this far. We want you guys to stay tuned because what we have coming up, obviously, I got to talk about this coronavirus. I mean, there's just no way to get around that. I mean, this thing is spreading like wildfire. Another thing I want to talk about is conspiracies. Now, this is something that I've talked about on previous podcasts in the past. Well, I got to talk about it on this one. Found some more information about apps that might be sharing your personal data, which now in 2020 is probably not that big of a surprise, but I still want to make you aware. Going to talk gentrification here in the city of Chicago. Obviously, we're going to talk about angry people. We got odd stories. And, and you heard me on the 38th podcast talk about how shootings have been reportedly going down in 2019 here in the city of Chicago. Well, what's going on in 2020? You'll have to stay tuned. Another thing I want to talk about, too, is streaming, music streaming. And how are a lot of people these days getting their music and a whole lot of other things as well? That's just a brief summary. So we want you to sit back, relax and let's go. Right, you hear the music that means only one thing the Chicago Grown Folk Podcast is on there for the spring of 2020. Here's what you missed. And another thing that's kind of disturbing about this whole Donald Trump thing is I keep hearing all these people talk about how terrified they would be if he became president. I mean, that's what I keep hearing. I keep hearing people say that they would be terrified if he becomes president. That'd be awful if he became president. All these different things I keep hearing about Donald Trump being president. But then the Democratic turnout for the primaries has been really low. People aren't coming out to vote. I keep hearing all these terrified people, but Donald Trump don't have to be president if you get out and vote. There was some old school talk show. I don't know the name of it. One of the guests was Muhammad Ali. The other one was Sly Stone from Sly and the Family Stones, and they had some senator, some politician came out. So just a really odd mix of people. And they got to talking about the political system. And one of the questions that was asked about, is there too much money in politics? And how do we keep people from buying elections, basically? So they had a conversation about that. And then Muhammad Ali was talking about politicians aren't doing anything for the black community and all kinds of things he was talking about. I can't remember everything verbatim, but And that was some 40 plus years ago. Everything that they were talking about then is the same conversations that are going on now here in 2016. So I'm saying all of that to say that, again, that this political system needs to be changed. But the problem is when you have these people stand up and say, well, I'm not voting. And I can never seem to get an answer from these people in terms of 
if voting is not the answer, then what is? It's about a guy named Michael Selyum. Now, Michael Selyum is a California prosecutor. Now, I don't know what platform he used to put this message out there. I don't know if it was on social media or if it was something he said to the press or maybe something he just had uh, in, in, in a conversation with somebody. I don't know. He says, being a loudmouth cunt in the ghetto, you would have think someone would have shot this bitch by now. Now, this is Michael Selyum making this comment about Representative Maxine Waters. He also went online and had an argument with someone about a police-involved shooting. Uh, now, I don't know what specific shooting he's talking about, but according to the story, there was a police shooting of a civilian. And Michael Selyum decides to go online and post the statement, that shitbag got exactly what he deserved. You reap what you sow. Now, again, this is a full-grown adult who is a prosecutor. You know, and how many times have you heard me say this on the podcast before? I mean, these are the types of people, they'll be the first ones to stand up and brag about how they're productive, hardworking citizens, and they have great careers, you know, and on and on and on and on and on. But then they get on social media and make the most vile, ignorant statements. And it's no wonder kids are running around with guns and committing a lot of acts of violence. Well, look at the examples that they have. These are the examples that our kids are seeing. You have a president of the United States running around calling people sons of bitches. You have people like Roseanne Barr, 60-some-year-old woman, making racist statements on social media sites. Here you had this guy, Michael Selyum, and on and on and on. So if you wonder why your kids are running around and they're violent and disrespectful and just very mean-spirited and bullying others in school or on social media, well, look no further than the Michael Selyums of the world. Now let's start the show. Stalking, walking in my big black boots. African, very African. African, very African. African, very African. Yes, yes. Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to the 39th episode of the Chicago Grown Folk Podcast. I am E your host for the podcast, and on the other side of the room, we have none other than the silent DJ. His job is to keep us on point, and that's what he's going to do. And of course, he assists me with technical things like helping me work this equipment that always tends to go bad on me. So, eh, he really doesn't have time to talk anyway. It's kind of like our in-house producer around here. That's what he does. And just a reminder, for those of you who are wondering, we here at the Chicago Grown Folk Podcast are not on... That's right. There's no dusting going on up here, although it might sound like it, but... Ah, there's nothing happening. Now, you can find the show on Podomatic.com, the Chicago Grown Folk Podcast on Podomatic.com. We're also on Mixcloud, the Chicago Grown Folk Podcast on Mixcloud. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on the Himalaya app. And probably pretty much anywhere you can find a podcast, you can find us, the Chicago Grown Folk Podcast. Grown folk, not folks. There's no S at the end. It's just grown folk. I used to hear older people in the city say that back in the day. Grown folk. 
you know, but that's who we are. Now, what we do here is we talk a lot of society and culture issues on this podcast. We're not a podcast that has a lot of explicit or ratchet material. And the reason for that is, I mean, if you want explicit and ratchet material, it's all over the place. You really don't have to look far to find it. So because everybody out there is doing explicit and ratchet material, we decided to do something different here at the Chicago Grown Folk Podcast. We're not one to follow trends here. We're also not a podcast that has a lot of celebrity gossip up here. I mean, this is not going to be what's going on with whoever the popular celebrity is of the day. And the reason for that is is because there's enough celebrity chasing going on out here. We didn't want to add to that. Now, if there's a celebrity story out there that's really big or every now and then, I mean, just as a sidebar, I might bring up and talk about a celebrity. But this is not TMZ. This is not Entertainment Tonight or Lipstick Alley. I mean, that's not what we do here. And we try to talk about issues that affect everyday blue collar men and women, because that's a segment of the population that nobody seems to even give a damn about. So that's what we're here for. So if you're looking to get your ratchet fix or your celebrity fix, we're just a couple of guys in Chicago here to record a podcast and talk about all this chaos that is going on in the world in 2020. And there is a lot of it to talk about, as you're going to find out while you're listening to this podcast. Uh, And with that being said, one day I'm going to come up here and record a podcast and talk about driving woes. Because I got to tell you, some of you people get behind the wheels with these cars and you make driving way more difficult than what it needs to be. You know, and I said this before in a previous podcast, I don't know how the state of Illinois is giving out driver's licenses to a lot of these people who are out here driving these cars. And you would think, I mean, driving is one of the simplest things that you can do. You turn the car on, you step on the gas, you go. You want to stop, you hit the brake. If you are turning left, you put on a left turn signal. If you are turning right, you put on a right turn signal. Red means stop. Green means go. Yellow, you slow down. This is not a difficult concept to grasp, people. I don't understand what the hell is the matter with some of these people driving behind the wheels of their cars. You know, the light turns green and you see people just sitting at the light. And I'm thinking, what the hell are people doing in their cars where the light's been green for 30 seconds and they're just sitting there? You know what I'm saying? And so in other words, they must be doing something other than what they're supposed to be doing. And that's paying attention to the road. I mean, over the past few days, I like it's the stuff that goes on in this city is mind boggling, to say the least. And I got to tell you something else, too. All you people who get on the expressways or the highways or whatever the case may be uh, driving down the road. And you're riding on the bumper of the person in front of you. I got to tell you something, man. If you know, like I know, there are people in this city. You ride that close to somebody's bumper, especially when you're on expressway driving at high rates of speed. There are people in this city that will intentionally slam on the brakes just so you can run into the back of them so they can collect your insurance. So if you know, like I know, you would give yourself enough distance. Uh, And I know you got some of these idiots that get in the passing lane and they drive two miles an hour for miles cruising, just cruising. You know, I get how frustrating it can be to ride behind somebody like that. But I got to tell you, man, riding on people's bumpers, if you run into the back of them, you're going to have a whole other host of problems. So just be mindful of that. And I know there are people out there that like to get in their cars and they like to take a relaxing drive or whatever. I don't know how the hell they do it in this city. I mean, I really don't. Now, maybe if you're staying somewhere that's not as populated or doesn't have as much traffic, you can pull that off. But 
I'd rather just get out and take a stroll through the park. All that aside, well, obviously, unless you've been living under a rock, the biggest talk of the country and really across the across the world is this coronavirus that has been kind of sweeping the nation. I mean, this thing has been spreading rapidly, man. And I don't know much like everybody else. I mean, I and I was talking to Silent about this right before we cut the mic on. And I was telling him, man, I don't even know what to say about this thing. And one of the reasons why is because there are so many conflicting reports that I'm hearing. I don't know what you guys are hearing, but everything that I've been hearing surrounding this virus has been very baffling to say the least. I mean, I'm hearing, I'm hearing people compare it to the flu. Then I hear people turn around and say, well, no, it's not like the flu. If you catch this thing, you're doomed to die. Then I hear, no, that's not so much the case, but it can kill. Then they tell people don't panic, but then they turn around telling people, well, we're quarantining everybody and stay home. Don't go outside your front door. Then I'm thinking, well, if it's no reason to panic, then why are they telling people to stay the hell at home? You know, so much like all of you all, I really don't know what the hell is going on with this thing. But the only information that I can tell you that has been consistent is that one, this thing is extremely contagious. That's one. And then the other thing I heard is that uh, to help prevent transmission, one of the things you can do, one of the best things you can do is keep your hands clean. Wash your hands thoroughly. Don't touch your face, which, by the way, those are things that they tell you during flu season, especially you hear that a lot. Keep your hands clean and try to keep your hands away from your face. As a matter of fact, I just saw something about that recently because they were talking about how bad the flu season was going to be in 2019 going into 2020. They always tell you to make sure you keep your hands clean. It's recommended that you wash your hands briskly for about a good 30 seconds to make sure that they're thoroughly clean. Because if you think about it, how many times do people wash their hands, but they don't wash them thoroughly? You know, they might throw a little soap on, just splash a little water, and then walk, walk on and go about their business. And their hands still might have bacteria on them. So make sure that when you do wash your hands, you wash them very thoroughly. And I'm going to tell you why I say that. Some years ago, on a job that I used to work, we took a training about, um, it was around flu season, and they were telling people how you can reduce the risk of catching the flu and this lady that was running the train and had a, it had what I'm calling now an ultraviolet light, although I don't know if that's what it was or not, but that's what I'm calling it just for the sake of me telling the story. She would shine it on your hands and it could tell if you had bacteria on your hands. So what she would tell people to do is she said, go to the washroom, wash your hands like you normally do, and then come back and you'll see if you're doing an effective job of washing your hands. And a lot of people did it and came back and they still had bacteria on their hands because people weren't washing their hands thoroughly. So, again, when they're telling you to wash your hands, make sure you wash them thoroughly because you don't want to think just because you put a little soap on your hands that your hands are clean. And then you might rub your nose or your eyes or something, you know, and this thing is still attached to your hands. And, and like I said, this or a flu virus or any kind of virus. And I'm going to tell you something else, too. Now, this might begin off the beaten path a little bit. All you people that are running out buying, uh, when you guys are running out and you're buying your Clorox bleach or whatever brand you prefer, get the regular plain old unscented bleach. Next time you go into your Walmart or Target or your local grocery store that sells the stuff, if you pay attention to the label, you look at regular bleach and compare it to unscented bleach, you will see that the ingredients are different. Regular unscented bleach is what you need. So make sure, and again, pay attention to the labels when you go and buy this stuff. You'll see that there's a difference. 
And also when you're using bleach, a lot of you people that like to use straight bleach and no water, no. You have to mix bleach with water because the water is what activates the bleach. I think there's a chemical in there and I could be wrong about this again. Don't quote me. It might be called hyperchlorite, but I'm not 100% sure. You can look it up and find if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But what I do know is that the water activates the bleach and makes it work. And I'm telling you all that. So while you're out here sanitizing your places, trying to stop Corona, these little bit of things might help you fight this damn thing off. Just making you aware. And by the way, uh, I saw um, who's this? Uh, Whoopi Goldberg. I saw on um, I think it was The View. And she was saying that people were out there selling hand sanitizer for two hundred dollars a bottle or something or the other. Uh, people, don't be idiots. There is no reason in hell that you should be spending two hundred dollars to buy a bottle of hand sanitizer. Soap and water works just fine. Do not spend that type of money on hand sanitizer. I mean, hand sanitizer, from what I remember, hasn't been around all that long. I don't remember people running around in the 80s squirting hand sanitizer on their hands. Now, maybe they had that stuff in the hospitals. I don't know. But no, people were using soap and water. Now, I'm not saying don't use hand sanitizer. But what I am saying is don't spend $200 for a bottle of $4 hand sanitizer. I mean, that is absolutely outrageous. Again, that's according to Whoopi Goldberg. Now, if it's a lie, she told it. Based on some of the things I've been hearing, people have been kind of, um, there's been a lot of price gouging going on out there surrounding the stuff, which is not really all that surprising. I mean, there are people in this country, they would do anything to make a buck. Money is king in this country, no doubt about it. And because of that, you have these assholes out here that are selling a 2 or $3 bottle of hand sanitizer for $200. And here's kind of an example of what I'm talking about. It says during coronavirus, watch out for these online and in-person schemes and scam. This article says the Federal Trade Commission says the agency has been sending warning letters to peddlers and herbal teas, essential oils and colloidal silver who are making false claims of preventing or curing the virus. And this guy out from the Federal Trade Commission, this guy by the name of Todd, Todd says that we know that there are a lot of folks out there making similar types of claims, and we're on the lookout for them. These types of claims will be under the microscope for the next couple of weeks. And they also said they want to remind people that there is no cure or vaccine for COVID-19. Now, also, according to this article, it says the Better Business Bureau has already been getting complaints from consumers talking about people out there with fake accounts for video streaming and phone services, as well as phishing emails related to proposed government relief checks. Scammers are hoping an email text promising a $1,000 relief check will get a click and bring them a payday. Wow. Already, there are fraudulent text messages being sent claiming that consumers are pre-accepted to receive cash. Just click the link. And it says the links in these emails and text messages are designed to install malware on a device or get a consumer to provide personal or financial information. The same goes for robocalls promising they'll give you money quickly. And by the way, we got a segment coming up talking about this malware and stuff being installed on your phone. But be careful about clicking those links. So basically, people, all these uh, get rich quick schemes and things that you see, all that stuff is BS. You've lived some years. You know, you pretty much know that ain't nobody giving up something for nothing. 
Uh, that's one of the reasons why you had these idiots running around here. Like you just heard me talking about running out and grabbing hand sanitizer or disinfecting wipes and selling them on the Internet for hundreds of dollars because they're trying to take advantage of people. So, again, don't fall for these something for nothing. Get rich quick schemes. If it's too good to be true, more than likely it's too good to be true. And of course, you always have these people, whoever these people are that are always talking about they're from the IRS. It says that they're uh, floating around emails saying that are related to the recent announcement about the April 15th deadline being extended to July 15th. So they got some kind of scam going on built around that. Uh, this article doesn't really go into saying what it's about. But basically, if you're getting something you think it's from the IRS, call the IRS first, confirm to make sure that it's true. Here's something else to look out for. It says, Chicago police are reminding people that coronavirus testing is only available in certain medical facilities. After reports in other states about fake Red Cross workers going door to door selling phony home test kits. And it says that if you want accurate information about local testing, check out the CDC COVID websites, police say. Uh, they also say be on the lookout for things like phony charity scams related to the coronavirus pandemic because you got a lot of that going on, too. So these assholes are out here profiting off of someone's misery. You know, like I said before, money is king in this country. No doubt about it. So the moment people can take advantage of you to get a few bucks, they're going to do it and they won't give a damn or think twice about it. So people, please think before you spend. Now, if you've listened to this podcast any length of time, you know that this is something that I've talked about frequently. I believe the last time I brought it up was around about our 36th podcast, if I'm not mistaken, the Chicago violence piece of our 36th podcast. I recorded a segment on the hills of a very violent weekend that we had here in Chicago. And if you heard that segment, one of the things that I had brought up was this talk of conspiracies. I've lived in the city my whole life and... A lot of times I will hear talks of conspiracy theories. I mean, I know now it's pretty common. I mean, if you go to YouTube and you click on, there are tons and tons of videos about conspiracy theories, right? But long before YouTube, when I would move around in this city, I would always hear them say things that are conspiracies, urban legend. And it's usually coming from my experiences anyway, it's usually been coming from an older crowd. Now, a lot of times when they tell me this stuff, I don't know where they hear it from. I don't know who told them. Like, for example, I'll give you one that I heard probably about maybe three years ago from an older gentleman. And it was about former Mayor Emanuel. Now, this guy was telling me that, now you ever paid attention to Rahm Emanuel's hand? 
like half of his finger is missing or something or the other. Well, I had an older gentleman tell me, you know why Mayor Emanuel's finger missing, don't you? And I said, no. He goes, he says the mob cut it off. A lot of people in the mob were butchers and they had those meat cleavers. I don't remember verbatim what the guy told me, but basically it meant that Mayor Emanuel was being disciplined by the mafia, which resulted in one of his fingers coming up missing. Now, I don't know where this guy heard this from, and maybe this is some kind of urban legend that's been floating around in the streets here in the city, and I'm just not hip to it. And maybe some of you all listening out there have heard that before, but I got to tell you, it was the first and only time that I ever heard anybody say that. And by the way, if you've lived in the city, I mean, stories about the mob come a dime a dozen. Another story I've heard throughout the years living in the city, I don't know so much that this falls under the category of urban legend, only because throughout the years I've heard quite a few people tell me that this story is true. I believe it was sometime in the 60s and silent. You know where I'm going to go with this, particularly when you hear me say the name. I mean, if you've lived in the city some years, I'm pretty sure you've heard this story mentioned somewhere at some point in time. There was a tavern or a lounge on the west side of Chicago called Bucket of Blood. Now, that in and of itself is an odd name. I mean, I don't know who the hell would name who the hell would give it that name Bucket of Blood. But I mean, I wasn't around in the 60s. Maybe that was a thing. I don't know. Now, I first heard the story back in. I want to say it was maybe the very early 90s, probably 91, 92. A woman was telling me about a guy who had one night walked into this lounge tavern slash lounge whatever the hell it was called the bucket of blood walked up to the bar carrying a bag and he ordered a drink and then he reached down in his bag and pulled out a woman's severed head put it on top of the bar and said and give this bitch a drink too now when i first heard that story i said there is no way in hell that that story can be true but again like you just heard me say throughout the years i've talked to random people who are older who had told me that there really was a place called the Bucket of Blood, and that story really did happen. Now, I don't know that it happened verbatim the way it was told to me, but the gist of the story has always been this guy puts his woman's severed head on top of the bar and says, give this bitch a drink. Now, I don't know what this woman did to this guy that made him cut her head off, but it had to be something serious. Now, going back to that 36 podcast, you heard me talk about about one of the conspiracy theories that have been thrown around about murders being committed intentional. So somebody can grab organs and take them and sell them overseas on the black market. And I also said that I didn't really know because I don't know where these people hear this stuff and blah, 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 blah. Because a lot of times when I hear people tell me these things, they can never really tell me where they heard it from. Or they just want you to believe it just because they said it, you know. And for some reason or another, I've been hearing this being thrown around a lot more as of late. People taking your organs and selling them overseas on the black market. And uh, I had a conversation with a woman, a co-worker, very recently. Now, there was a group of us that were kind of standing around chatting. Now, I would call her an acquaintance. I don't know her very well. She's one of these people that... When she talks, I've never gotten the impression from her that she's a a person that stretches the truth or makes things up. For example, years ago, I used to have a neighbor that anytime that this person said something, you always had to take it with a grain of salt because they were known to stretch the truth or do a lot of exaggerating or just flat out say things that weren't true. Right. 
And, and, um, and some of you all out there, you might know people like that. But this lady, that's never the impression that I've gotten from her. Right. So I'm saying that to say that whenever she says things, she's not a person that like exaggerates or makes up a bunch of stuff. Well, well, we got on the subject about body parts being sold, organs and body parts and things of that nature being sold, which sounds really, really bizarre. But she was telling us that she knows a funeral director who says that there have been occasions where bodies have come to him and some of their organs had been missing. And she was saying that what's been going on, people have been getting snatched up off the streets for that specific purpose, for people to rip their organs out and sell them on the black market. She was also the person that told me, and I made mention of this on a previous podcast, I think it was our last podcast, I talked about this, where Chicago was high on the list for sex trafficking. This is the same lady that told me this before, and uh, she brought that up again. And right when she said that, another co-worker of mine had said, yeah, you know what? My friend's 10-year-old son was coming home from school yesterday. He came home, pressed the buzzer, his mother buzzed him up. And as the kid was going into the apartment, there was a guy standing there waiting and tried to abduct him. He's wearing a black mask and he was trying to snatch this kid up and run off with him. But what wound up happening was the kid had made so much noise, kicking and screaming. So the guy got scared and ran off. Then the mother came downstairs to find out that some guy was just trying to abduct her 10 year old son. So I'm saying all this to say that I am no longer skeptical about this issue. It feels like these are very dangerous times that we live in. And it's all in the name of making a dollar bill. I mean, if you get people running around in this city, in this country, I mean, I don't know what goes on where you guys live at. So I can only really speak about what I know that goes on here. But if you got people running around in this city looking to abduct people, to grab organs and sell them on the black market, or to snatching kids up, using them for sex trafficking purpose or whatever the case may be, this type of stuff is outrageous. I mean, and like this woman was telling me, she said, what happens is these people just run up behind you, women in particular, that run up behind you and grab you and snatch you up off the streets for the sole purpose. I mean, this is serious business. And then I came across this article here. Now, this is pretty much old news. A lot of you all out there might have heard this, but I just found it recently. This happened back in July of 2019. Now, like I said, a lot of you all might have heard this story already. Now, this article talks about a place out in Arizona said the FBI raided a now defunct body donation company and check out what they found. They found remains from different bodies sewn together in a Frankenstein manner. Buckets filled with limbs. One guy said, I observed a large torso with the head removed and replaced with a smaller head sewn together in a Frankenstein like manner. Body parts piled on top of each other throughout the facility with no apparent identification to indicate what bodies they came from or to whom they belong. Buckets and coolers with various body parts, including a bucket of heads, arms, and legs. Male torsos without limbs and genitalia, and coolers filled with male genitalia. What went on at this place, it says family members of the victims were told that the donations, if accepted, will be used solely for medical or scientific research. Donors' bodies would not be dismembered, and sold for profit, which obviously all that was a lie. They were also told that unused remains of their family members' bodies would be cremated and returned to them. And many did receive boxes that they were told were their loved ones' ashes. 
but instead a lot of the bodies were dismembered and commingled and disposed of improperly some were illegally sold for a profit sometimes overseas so listen if you're telling me that you got this kind of stuff going on all in the name of making the dollar bill then all i can tell you is that people you better be extremely cautious when you're out and about protect your loved ones and protect yourself as best you can you know listen and i'm not a person that likes to get on this podcast and be all doom and gloom and the world is coming to an end but i gotta tell you man this stuff is extremely disturbing so listen i was late to the party on this one but uh, i tell you what not no more Here in Chicago, winter of 2019-2020 has been very mild. I remember some Januaries, you would walk outside and the high would be zero at noon. I mean, wind chills are 20 below, cold, 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 cold. You know, that wind gets to blowing and whipping you in the face and the, and the wind chill is like 20 below. I mean, that's... uh particularly if you're getting up early in the morning to go to work or whatever, that wind and whip and hit you in the face, man, that will wake you up quick. And if it wasn't bitter cold, there would be snow on the ground. You know, those were typical winters here in Chicago. A lot of y'all came to Chicago in mid-February for NBA All-Star 2020. Winter was in full effect, which is actually pretty bizarre because all up until that weekend, the weather had been the winter had been pretty mild. As a matter of fact, I think the weekend before it was like we were up in the upper 30s, maybe 40s. As soon as people come in for all stars, like, nope, winter is here. And you might remember it was very cold. Trust me when I tell you as bad as that was, it has been much worse in terms of winter weather. And if you're not used to that type of climate, I mean, that's a reality check <laughs> of how bad winters can get around here. But again, it seems like the winters have been getting much milder than what they used to be. Now, as you know, most scientists are saying that this is a result of climate change. Now, a few years ago, they used to call it global warming, right, where you used to hear that term being thrown around a lot. But somewhere down the line, the scientists were saying that you shouldn't call it global warming. It should be called climate change. They talk about things like warmer climate in a lot of places. Uh, you hear this thing now about ice caps are melting. We just heard on the news recently about Australia. And all the fires that were going on there, wildfires in California, the Amazon. I mean, climate change is very serious business. And it feels like we're at a point now where this stuff is happening. And at some point, if it's not already too late, you're not going to be able to reverse the effects no matter what you do. And it doesn't help that you have an administration in this country right now that they don't believe or 
don't care, don't give a damn about what's going on with the climate. I'm guessing they probably really don't give a damn. Climate science means nothing to these people. They don't give a damn about polluting the water, about polluting the air. I read an article on this podcast last year, or might have been the year before last, about a lot of these Trump rollbacks on a lot of these clean air policies and things that were put in place. Well, here we go again. It says Trump administration rolls back clean water protections. Now, this is something that President Obama put in place. And for some reason or another, we know that Trump has been obsessed with rolling back things that President Obama put in place. Well, here you go again. It says the Trump administration Thursday announced the repeal of a major Obama era clean water regulation. It says the Environmental Protection Agency announced a major rollback to protections for streams and other smaller bodies of water on Thursday. This new rule will replace the already repealed waters of the United States rule crafted under President Obama, which expanded the type of waterways protected by federal law. The Obama administration argued smaller bodies of water even some seasonal ones caused by snowmelt must be protected in order to stop pollution from reaching larger sources, including those used for drinking water. And maybe you see a lot of those in like the more rural areas of the country, because obviously here in Chicago, I mean, I mean, we have Lake Michigan here. But besides the Chicago River, I mean, I can't think of too many smaller bodies of water in this city. But if you stay out there in the rural areas of the country, maybe some of you farmers out there know where some of these smaller bodies of water are located. I know that um, when I used to take the train down south to uh, Mississippi, you would pass like these streams and small bodies of water. And it seems to me that if we're dependent on water for our survival, it seems that we should be protecting all bodies of water, no matter how big or small. This planet needs water to survive, but not according to the Trump administration, apparently. Because they're rolling back a lot of regulations and things on water. This article goes on to say, Critics argue that the changes will eviscerate the protections guaranteed by the Clean Water Act. Not just reversing Obama-era protections, but settling the U.S. even further back. And here's a quote here from a guy by the name of Colin O'Mara. He's the uh, CEO of the National Wildlife Federation. He says, This is going back to the lowest level of protection we've seen in the last 50 years. This is a staggering rollback. Now, the people who are for this rollback, it says they've argued that the law under the Obama era was too far reaching, requiring grand efforts to protect relatively small bodies of water that run through their property, ultimately subjecting large swaths of land to federal oversight. But again, and this is probably a very basic way of looking at this uh, rule. Again, it seems to me that if uh, we need water for our survival, to me, it would seem important to protect as much of the water as we can. But uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe you're one of these people who thought that the Obama eras were the Obama era rules were too far reaching. And then see, the problem here is now with this law being repealed, it says what will likely happen is they will increase the amount of pesticides and other industrial chemicals that leach into our streams, wetlands and underground water sources. You know, and I said this before about a lot of these environmental rollbacks, you know, these companies are only going to do what they're required to do. They don't give a damn about dumping chemicals and toxins and pesticides into the water if it's going to save them a few pennies. 
they don't care about putting this stuff in the atmosphere. So when you're talking about rolling back a lot of regulations, well, these people that run these chemical plants and things, they're only going to do what they're required to do. And in some cases, they don't even do that much, you know? And I got to tell you something else. It seems to me like we've had this fight before. I remember back in the 80s and Silent, I don't know if you remember this or not, but I remember back in the 80s, there was all this talk, probably about the mid 80s or so, there was all this talk about acid rain. Do you remember that? Sure did. Sure did. Uh, you remember the old TV show Different Strokes? They did a whole episode on that when uh, Kimberly's hair turned green. She was using rainwater to wash her hair and or something or the other. But the whole point of all of that stuff was they were talking about chemicals, pollution in the air, pollution in the water and the effects that it can have on the environment. I mean, this is a fight that we've had already. And it seems to me like a lot of these rollbacks are just a setup to go through that same thing again. And obviously, it's not going to be different strokes, but whatever popular sitcom or TV show, maybe 20 years from now, they're going to revisit the same topic again. It'll be somebody else walking around with green hair or somebody other talking about acid rain, this, that, and other. So, I mean, the only thing I can tell people to maybe help reverse this stuff before it's too late is come November, you got to get out and you got to hit the polls, man, and you got to vote these people out. I mean, if you care about the environment, if you care about your kids' future, your grandkids' future, your future, you know, maybe you freshly turn 18. I mean, because this stuff is going to affect you guys more than anything. I'll probably be dead and buried. Silent will probably be dead and buried. But, um, I mean, and look at the news now. I mean, these wildfires and things like you just heard me talking about, these hurricanes and storms. I mean, you guys are going to have to live with this stuff. And what is it going to be like 20 years down the line? So the only thing I can tell people again is, you have to get out in November and you have to vote these people out of office because a lot of them are going to be dead and buried. Also, their kids are going to be taken care of. Their grandkids are going to be taken care of. You guys are going to be the ones out there breathing in this crappy air and drinking this polluted water. I remember when people were getting on uh, Puffy silent a while back when he had that slogan, vote or die or whatever it was. Well, I'm going to tell you some man in 2020. That's really a reality right now. Quite a few of these topics that we picked for this 39th podcast were pre-coronavirus topics, right? I mean, these were topics that we picked out before corona took over the country. Or what are they calling it? COVID-19. You know, we always got to shorten things and give it nicknames and all that stuff now. You know, that's just the era we live in. Another term that I've been hearing a lot since this thing has happened, uh, social distancing, now, I don't know who came up with the term. I don't know where it started from, but it felt like somebody just sat back and said, oh, this is social distancing. And and somebody else hears it. They probably heard it on social media or something or the other. And it hits the mainstream media. And before you know it, everybody's running around now talking about social distancing. A while ago, I talked on this podcast about the term throwback Thursday and how I didn't know where that came from. And we found an article that wound up tracing it back to some website somewhere that was dealing with gym shoes. 
So same thing with the social distancing. I don't know who came up with that, but uh, that's all. That's the term now that everybody's using. But all that aside, this next segment is another one of those pre-COVID-19 topics that I picked. But before I get into that, I want to read something real quick that I just came across while I'm up here going through some of the news. So this segment is going to be like a double topic segment. When we used to play music on this podcast, a lot of times we would play back to back tracks of the same artists. It's like a double play. So this is going to be like a double. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Man, we haven't played that on this podcast in years. And play that again. Well, I haven't heard that in a while. I didn't even know we still had that on uh, the hard drive. But yeah, it was this is the same thing, but it's a double segment. Maybe we need to come up with a sound effect for that. You know, since this corona frenzy has hit, what I've noticed is you have a couple of groups of people. You have one group of people who are who have been throwing caution to the wind. Coronavirus warnings mean nothing to these people at all. As a matter of fact, when this thing was really starting to hit hard earlier in the month of March and they were telling people stay at home and you better self-quarantine if you think you have it and all this stuff. And I was watching the news and there were people talking about, oh, well, people are staying home and they're self-quarantining and they're not coming out and this, that and other. And I'm thinking, well, I don't know where these people stay at, but where I'm at, when I'm heading out for my commute to work, the traffic was, if people were staying home, I couldn't tell it. Now, they might have been staying home from work, but they were definitely going out to all the night spots. There were a couple of spots that I was driving past when I was uh, leaving work on the way home. Uh, and this was like a Tuesday night. These spots were bustling. And even that Saturday, the weekend before St. Patrick's Day, there was tons of traffic and tons of people walking up and down the street. As a matter of fact, when I was sitting at the red light, I saw guys walking past with green and white shamrock short sleeve shirts on. No jacket, no sleeves, no nothing. And the temperature was like, what, in the mid 30s? As a matter of fact, it even snowed that same evening. So I'm thinking to myself, well, listen, these people ain't thinking nothing about no Corona. They out partying and drinking and doing everything else, throwing caution to the wind, right? But see, the problem with people like that, and I have a relative in silent, you know who I'm talking about, who has the same type of mentality. Anything that people tell them they should take seriously, they don't. You know, they always had a mentality of nothing's going to happen to me. I'll be fine. No need to worry about me, blah, 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 blah. But the problem with people like that is typically they're right. Nothing usually happens to them, but what winds up happening is they always affect the people that are around them. Like all these people that were running out to these nightclubs and things where this coronavirus was floating around. They're a younger crowd. They might be fine. Their immune systems might be able to deal with it. But if they're carrying this stuff around and they're passing it to other people who might be elderly, who might not have the best immune system, then those are the people that are going to be affected. So you have that group of people that throw caution to the wind. Then you have the other group of people that they run out and they overreact. They run out and they hoard paper towels and toilet paper and bleach and whatever else they can get their hands on because they're overreacting. I wound up going to the Target earlier in the month of March to get some cleaning supplies, not because of Corona, but because I like to keep a clean place. Clorox wipes has been something that's always been a constant supply in my house. Bleach, hand sanitizer. These are things that I've always kept in my house, whether there was Corona around or not. Well, when you go to the store now and try to buy this stuff, when you run out, can't find it. And the reason why you can't find it is because you have tons of people out here panicking and are running to the stores, 
overbuying things and overreacting. And maybe I should say there are three groups of people. You also have that other group of people that they're not overreacting. They're not underreacting. They're paying attention and they're moving with some degree of caution, but they're not overdoing it or underdoing it. Right. So you got that group of people, too. But a lot of these people that overreact and not only are they running out hoarding toilet paper, I came across this article in the USA Today. Now, check this out here. It says it's not just toilet paper. People line up to buy guns, ammo over coronavirus concerns. Now, here you have a 71-year-old man by the name of Ralph, C-H-A-R-E-T-T-E. That's how you spell it. You can figure out how to pronounce it. But this Ralph is a 71-year-old man. It says he bought, he bought a rifle and ammunition on Saturday to protect himself and his family as a wave of coronavirus panic sweeps across the country. Ralph, a military veteran, spent, spent $1,500 at a gun shop in Germantown, Wisconsin, after encountering aggressive shoppers and empty shelves at local grocery stores. So this guy sees a lot of aggressive shoppers and he decides to go out by himself a rifle. Which, by the way, I don't know where Ralph has been. I mean, he's a 71-year-old man. Uh, he needs to listen to this podcast. We talk about these angry shoppers. Even when there's no reason for them to panic, these people are out and they are angry. And coronavirus, they're not. These people are just, that's just what it is now. This Ralph goes on to say, if looters come knocking, he'll be ready. There's so much uncertainty and paranoia, but you've got to protect your own. Ralph must have some amazing stuff in his house. If he's worried about people running up in there and looting it, you know. And by the way, are things that bad out there in uh, Germantown, Wisconsin, where you people are worried about looters coming into their our front doors? I mean, I don't know. This article also goes on to say, as hysteria surrounding the illness drives some people to stockpile groceries and toilet paper, in the case of their quarantine, it's also causing many to worry about a shortage of gun supplies. Lengthy lines formed outside Martin Redding Gun Store in Culver City, California, on Sunday morning before the store opened. People said the line Saturday was so long, extending around the block, so they decided to come back and try again on Sunday. They have a quote here from a guy by the name of Drew Plotkin from Los Angeles. He says, people are scared. There's a lot of panic in the world and people want to be protected for the worst case scenario. Here you have somebody here. Emily Ken, 22, bought ammunition this weekend for her 9mm handgun. It says she went to Dick's Sporting Goods where she said one of the workers told her that everywhere else in the area was sold out. And then she goes on to say, it's better to be prepared than not prepared. I already stocked up on food. Ammo is the next step. And this is a guy by the name of uh, 62 year old man by the name of Greg. He says right now, local stores have light supply on toilet paper, water and things like that. But if they don't restock as fast as people want, my main concern is somebody coming up to me as I walk out of Target and trying to take what I purchased. You know, and Greg, you might have a good point there. But the problem is one and people weren't hoarding all of this stuff to begin with, I mean, there would be enough to go around. And by the way, Greg, if there's a shortage of toilet paper, there's no guarantee that you're going to be able to get any toilet paper when you go to Target. So, but I want to move on to this next topic. Now, you heard me on the last podcast talk about the WhatsApp and how you had this company called the NSO Group that was using the WhatsApp to install Trojans and things on people's phones. You know, like I said on that podcast or anytime that I talk about this type of stuff, that there is so much of this stuff going on till there's really not a whole lot we can do except just try to combat this stuff as best we can by um by just keeping aware of what's out here 
a lot of times when I find out these things, I try to pass it on through the podcast. This situation is no different. Now, I came across this article. This was on the Lifehacker website. Now, according to them, it says, uninstall these VPN and ad blocking apps that spied on your iPhone or Android. Now, real quickly, VPN stands for Virtual Private Network. And all it does is just creates a secure connection to another network over the Internet. But what you can also do with VPNs, it says they can be used to access region restricted websites and shield your browsing activity from prying eyes on a public Wi-Fi. So I'm guessing if you're like in a Starbucks or whatever and you have your laptop hooked up to the public Wi-Fi, it keeps other people from seeing what you're browsing. That's basically the gist of what I'm getting from this. If you have some of these things on your phone, now according to this, it says a recent BuzzFeed investigation discovered that several popular VPNs and ad blocking apps for Android and iOS secretly collected user data and sent it to a sensor tower, a cross-platform data analytics service for app developers. And maybe some of you are listening have these. Well, you might want to think twice about it. it says ad block focus, free and unlimited VPN. Luna VPN and mobile data. These apps were able to track user data by gaining root access to the device files and folders, something that both Apple and Google do not allow apps to do normally. But developers use a simple loophole to get around the restriction. Many of the apps use misleading notifications, promising extra features like Luna VPN offering free YouTube ad blocking. If users downloaded additional files from a third-party website after the app was installed, these extra features would then ask for additional permission, including root access in order to function. That says Google and Apple have banned these apps from their representative stores and are investigating the development companies behind them. But it also says here that users should uninstall the apps listed below, especially if you sideloaded any of them from a third-party source rather than an app store or Google Play. This article also goes on to say, this is yet another reminder to pay attention to app permissions, especially root access permissions, unless you're absolutely certain that what you're installing is safe. So listen, BuzzFeed did the investigation. As far as I know, unless there's someone here I don't know about, I don't have any ad blocks on my phone. But I'm sitting here thinking about it, and I know this ad block, uh, what do they call it? This ad block plus or whatever it is. And silent, here I go again talking about that laptop. Like I did last podcast when we talked about uh, NSO group. I might have ad block on my um, browser, but I'm not 100% sure. I got to go back and check. Listen, man, we live in a society now where you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. And I don't care what it is. Now, here you have a situation here. You try to put these ad blocks on your phones or on your computers to stop one problem. And then here they go creating a whole host of other problems. So you just cannot win. What the hell good does it do to use a VPN to keep people from viewing what you're browsing when when they're taking your data and doing God knows what with it? Like I said, where you're trying to get rid of one problem, you're creating another one. So what do people do? Throw away the phones. Yeah, well, good luck with that one. <laughs> Everywhere you look, every time you turn around, there's something else going on that we need to worry about. So just add this one to the list.
You know, if you've listened to this podcast any length of time, you know that one of the things that we tend to talk about is anger. You know, we're heading into the time of the year where the weather is getting warmer, days are getting longer, more and more people start to come out, hanging out, you know, and typically what always happens is the more people you have coming out, the more chance you have for conflict, petty altercations that escalate, altercations at malls, movie theaters, restaurants, the beach, grocery store, road rage. I mean, you name it and it goes on. Silent was just telling me a couple weeks ago about an incident that he saw while he was driving. Uh, he told me that uh, there were two cars in front of him, a white charger. And I think he's what would you say it was a, a Honda Accord. And uh, for some reason or another, these guys pulled up to the stop sign. The guy in the white charger stopped his car and he wouldn't move. Well, the guy behind him in the Honda Accord had honked his horn and and decided that he was going to go around. And then the guy in the white charger opened up the door and yelled back at him, what's your hurry? And uh, in silence, said the guy in the Honda Accord said something back. And then the guy in the charger eventually drove and pulled his car up. But I mean, it's a stop sign, man. I mean, how long are you supposed to sit there and wait for somebody? I mean, if you're doing something at the stop sign where you can't drive, put your flashers on. Or if you can pull over to the side and let people pass, you know. <laughs> I mean, the sign says stop, not stay. But you get these people in their cars and they're doing God knows what. And I guess tough guy in a charger. He wants everybody to wait on him, you know. But my point of bringing all that up is how many times have we read stories like that on this podcast that stem from something really petty as that. And in some cases, they end fatally, you know. So anger is very prevalent in the society now. And I don't know what the answer is. I don't know why it goes on. Here's an example here. Now, this happened back in December. We wanted to talk about this on our last podcast, but just didn't have enough time to get to it. So I said I would bring it up on this one. This happened back in Texas. Now, what you had going on in this incident here, you had a 13-year-old boy went to the barbershop, got his hair cut, went back home. So a little while later, here comes the father storming back up to the barbershop with his son coming into this place and telling the barber that his son's haircut was not cut properly. Now, according to the story, it says the barber then fixed the haircut for free. But afterwards, he got into an argument with the father outside in the parking lot while his son waited in the car. Well, you know what happens next. The argument got so heated so this father couldn't handle it. And he wound up getting a gun and shooting the barber right there on the spot before fleeing in a great four door sedan. Wow. Can you imagine this kid sitting there witnessing all this? You know? Well, it says his barber was shot and he's in stable condition. And at the time that the story came out, and like I said, this happened back in December. I guess this guy was getting his son's haircut for the holidays and uh, he wanted it to be as per. Listen, man, I, I, I mean, how many of us throughout the years, I mean, you have had bad haircuts or you had your hair done wrong, whatever the case may be. But I mean, how often do you think about um going back to get a gun and well maybe you think about it but you don't actually act on it you know what i mean so this kind of stuff goes on man i mean 
you got a lot of these hotheads walking around here with pistols and uh i don't know man it's just a, it's just a very uh can be really dangerous out here man i mean you 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 really you really just never know what kind of trouble you can get into when you walk out your front door every day you know man punched three people in saint charles restaurant now, this is a 33 year old man named brett it says he is charged with four felony counts of aggravated battery and this incident happened on january 19th now this brett was with a group of friends when an argument erupted between his group and another Brett allegedly punched three people in the head, including one while he was holding a beer glass, shattering it over his head. Wow, it says doctors removed shards from the man's head and stitched them up. Now, this story doesn't go into details as to what this argument was about, but um, sounds like Brett was having a good old fashioned bar brawl inside of a restaurant. Here's something here really straight to the point. It says a woman, a 34 year old woman was arguing with her boyfriend who was 48 years old. And he shot her in the leg inside of the apartment on 78th and Eberhardt Avenue. And after this guy shot this 34-year-old woman, says he ran. The woman was taken to University of Chicago Medical Center in fair condition. No one is in custody. And it doesn't say what these two were arguing about. And um, I mean, this guy's a 48-year-old man. I mean, what is he doing? Um, and you would think a guy that's 48 years old would be a little bit more level-headed. And say, you know what, let me go somewhere and walk it off or sleep it off or something, you know, but nope, not in 2020. Guns got to get to blazing. Child stabbed in fight at Oaklawn High School. Officers responded to a large fight involving about 15 people at about 8.50 p.m. in the parking lot of the Oaklawn Community High School. A child was stabbed multiple times during a fight outside of the high school one minor whose age and gender weren't known was hospitalized with three stab wounds wow it isn't clear if the child was a student at the school a basketball game was scheduled at the school between 6 and 8 p.m on that night so you got a bunch of teens getting into a brawl at a uh, high school basketball game out there in oakland down there on southwest highway you know southwest highway um not to <laughs> This has nothing to do with uh, this brawl. I'm kind of digressing a bit. But uh, back in the 80s, man, we used to spend a lot of time going over that way. As a matter of fact, there used to be a jewel grocery store somewhere around up in that area, around about 95th and Pulaski, or it might have been Kedzie, one of those streets. And the jewel used to be 24 hours. We used to do a lot of shopping over there uh, late at night because there weren't a lot of crowds that time of the night. So my parents used to always go like late at night, you know, and um and somewhere around in that area, too, and it might have been right across the street from that jewel, but I don't remember because it's been some years. I mean, it's been years. Like I said, I'm going back to the 80s. I don't know how many people remember Venture uh, department stores with that. Uh, they used to have like the zebra colored sign or something or the other. But uh, they used to be over there, too. We used to spend a lot of time going in there shopping as well. Back in the day, that area used to be kind of racist, too. That was right around the time when black people were really starting to branch out on the southwest side. And um if you were black and you got caught in the wrong neighborhood, they were going to let you know it, you know. But uh, for the most part, that area has always been pretty nice. I mean, I don't know what went on at this high school, but, you know, teams are going to fight. I mean, that's just going to happen, especially when you're talking about a basketball game. Everybody's all riled up, you know. But the good thing about it is nobody seemed to have gotten seriously hurt, according to this article.
So I finally had a chance to go to this, uh, what they're calling the world's largest Starbucks over there on uh, Michigan Avenue. Now, maybe some of you know, maybe you don't. I am an avid Starbucks drinker. So when I heard about this new super Starbucks they were supposed to be building here in the city, I'm like, oh, well, I just have to go there. You know, I mean, I got excited when I found a 24-hour Starbucks. I talked about this on a previous podcast before. Uh, the 24-hour Starbucks down there on uh, North Avenue in Wells. I mean, I thought that was exciting. Now you're telling me you got one that's uh, the world's largest Starbucks. I'm like, oh, well, I definitely got to check that out. So I finally got a chance to go up in there. And uh, I went in there on like a Sunday evening. I felt like a fish out of water. I mean, I walked in this place and I'm like, okay, well, what the hell do I do? I felt the same way when I walked into the Apple store. I talked about this on a previous podcast. I walked into the Apple store. It had to be explained to me (laughs) what the process was, because it's not like your typical thing where you walk in and there's a counter, walk up to the counter and say, hey, I want so-and-so and such and such. Same thing when I walked into Starbucks. One of the things that caught my attention when I walked in, they have an escalator that's on a swirl. I never saw that before where it kind of just goes around and takes you up. I thought that was pretty cool. And the way they had this thing designed is each floor does kind of a very specific thing. Like when you go to the second floor, the floor they sell all the pastries at. You go up to the third floor. They call that the experimental bar or experimental lounge or something or the other. I said, well, that's where I want to go. I want to get a really strong cup of coffee that I can't get like when I walk into like the regular Starbucks down the street, you know. I mean, you walk around here. I mean, they got coffee menus and there are people up on the third level standing around with wine glasses filled with coffee. You ever been to one of these parties or you ever see the stuff on TV maybe where they have like these wine tasting things and people are kind of standing around with wine glasses in their hands? Well, this is the same thing that was going on at the Starbucks, man. There were people standing around with wine glasses that had coffee in them. You had a few people walking around with uh, different samples of coffees on trays. One of the ladies was walking around and she said, you want to try a sample of whatever coffee it was? I don't remember what the title was. I said, yeah, is it strong? She says, no, not really. I said, listen, I want to get some real strong coffee. And she said, well, and I think she called it a siphon gravitas or something or the other. They eventually took my order and I said, I want a siphon gravitas or whatever the hell it's called. A a grande. And the lady says, oh, we only have one side. I I said, "Okay, well, that's what I want. Lady rung it up. She said, $15. I said, huh? She said, $15. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Y'all ain't got the small size. She said, it only comes in one size. So I'm like, well. So my mind is thinking it's like a really expensive brand of coffee or something. I started to tell lady, look, I don't really want that. That's too expensive. But then it's like when you're standing there and you got your card in your hand, I'm like, well, I'll just go ahead and, and, you know, so I went on ahead and paid it. She said, well, let me have your number because they're going to text you when your order is ready. So she's telling me this and I'm thinking in my head, man, things are really have really changed. I felt like, you know what? I'm going to tell you what I felt like silent. A lot of times when I watch older people like my grandmother or others, and they walk into like a grocery store and instead of paying with cash now everybody pays with a card, they're using their card and they're trying to figure out how to use the thing because it's something different that they're not used to. You know, they used to just walking in back in the day, you walk in and you put the money on the counter and you pay for your groceries and you walk out the door. Now you got to go in and you got to use the machine. You got to, you got to slide your card. You got to put the chip in, you got to type your code in, you got to, you want cash back. You want this, you want that. So that's kind of what I felt like when I was in this place and this lady was saying, well, give me your number and we got a text and 
I felt like everything around me was just moving at a fast pace. I didn't know what the hell was going on. And I'm trying to keep up and not make myself look like an idiot, you know. So I'm trying to find a place to kind of wait for my order or wait for this text to come through. And it seemed like I was waiting for about damn near 10 minutes. They must go through a gallon of coffee working up in there, man. These people are behind the counter, man, and they're moving back and forth. They're buzzing around. I mean, these people in this place are busy. I mean, if you're working there, I mean, you got to be able to move, 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 move. So this text finally comes into my phone and they gave me like this jug of coffee and two glasses on a tray. And I realized no wonder it costs so much because they're giving me coffee for two. And I wanted to tell that lady, look, it's just me. I don't need coffee for two. So I'm drinking the stuff and, and, and I got an instant jolt. I mean, as soon as you drink that coffee, it goes, I mean, like you can feel it. So, but I'm not finna sit here and drink this whole thing. So I'm asking, and, I, and I'm not finna throw it away because I didn't spend $15 on it. So I'm asking the lady, I said, well, can I get this to go or something? She gives me a cup with a top on it and I pour the rest up in the thing and carry it on with me. And then I took this cup of uh, $15 coffee and I went up to the fourth floor. The fourth floor is like a gift shop. By the time I got to the fourth floor, I was like, you know what? I got the gist of the place. I didn't have enough. But uh, when I was on the way back down, I found the sister and she told me, um, she said, well, no, this is what you do from now on when you come in. She says, if you're just getting a quick cup of coffee for yourself, she said, that's what the first floor is for. She said, the first floor is pretty fast paced. You, you come in, you get what you want, and you head on out the door. The floor that I was on, the reason why they're up there and there are people walking around with wine glasses filled with coffee, she said the whole purpose of that is to give people the full experience of drinking coffee. It's supposed to enhance the experience, and it's just supposed to make you really appreciate every little nuance of drinking coffee. So that's for like really diehard coffee drinkers. She said, and that's where a lot of times people go up, they just order coffee and stand around and hang out and experience the whole deal. You know, she said in the future, look, if you're just looking for something for yourself, she said, well, you don't have to spend a whole lot of money. You just come to the first floor. And, and then if you want to order coffee and walk around, you do that. So she explained to me what was going on. And next time I go up in that place, I'll know the layout. Because I was telling her, I said, yeah, everybody walking around here like these people have been coming here for years, you know. I said, I feel like I'm the only idiot around here that doesn't know what the process is. But she explained it to me. So next time when I go there, I'll be ready for them. But it's a nice place to visit and kill some time if you're looking. Um, you know, you see a lot of these people going to Starbucks and they kind of sit down and get on their laptops or whatever. Uh, that's the ultimate place to do that, you know, especially when you're going up to the third floor. You know, you get your wine glass and kind of hang out, you know. Well, moving forward, a lot of times when Silent DJ and I are putting together stories for this podcast, we tend to come across some of the most bizarre, ridiculous stories. And a lot of times it makes us ask the question. Now, this story happened in Ohio, Canton, Ohio. It says an Ohio woman was arrested for calling 911 when her parents cut off her cell phone service. What? <laughs> it says, uh, it's a woman here by the name of, looks like a uh, Saloni, K-H-E-T-A-R-P-A-L. That's how you spell it. You can figure out how the hell to pronounce it. That just happened back on February 13th. It says police charged this woman, Saloni, with disrupting police services. A fourth degree felony. Wow. It says jail records show that this Saloni repeatedly called emergency dispatchers because her parents had terminated her cell phone service, which they paid for. How the hell old is this woman? 
36. So, okay, so here you have a 36-year-old woman who, for some reason or another, her parents are paying for her cell phone bill. It said an officer had contacted her and advised that she only call emergency services for emergencies. Two hours later, she called again and was belligerent and stated she believed it to be a legitimate issue. So the police weren't having it and they ran up in her place. And now she's being charged with disrupting 911 service. You know, this reminds me of that story that came out about last year or so where there was a 30 year old man who was trying to sue his parents because they were trying to victim or something or something or the other. I don't know. Do you remember that story silent? Now here you got a 36 year old woman who um, is upset with her parents because they don't want to continue to pay her cell phone bill. But you know what? It must be something wrong with these parents because why the hell are you paying your 36 year old daughter's phone bill? And she's so entitled and spoiled. So when they cut her off, then she's going to call the police. And I don't know what the hell she was calling the police for. I guess she was going to try to get them arrested. Cut off my cell phone. I'll show you. Well, now here she's got a felony charge because um, she couldn't handle her cell phone getting cut off. But I tell you, there's a lot of weird stuff happening now. These people are something else. Baby, how long will you keep me in the penalty box? All right, I'm sure a lot of you all out there were like this one. Spotify, uh, which we're going to talk about Spotify a little bit later on in the podcast. But Spotify launches playlists for dogs left home alone. Spotify has made playlists and a podcast for dogs to listen to in their owner's absence after finding that nearly 74% of UK pet owners play music for their animals. Hmm. According to this, it says Spotify said has launched a podcast featuring soothing music, dog-directed praise, stories and messages of affirmation and reassurance narrated by actors to alleviate stress for dogs who are home alone. Meanwhile, playlists aimed at pets offers tracks selected by algorithms to match pets characteristics such as energetic or slow. Spotify said it found in a survey that one in four pet owners play music for their pets to listen to for company when they are away from home with 42% of owners saying their pets have a favorite type of music. And a quarter of pet owners said they have seen their pets dancing to music. Well, so there you go. So you're making a playlist for yourself, your kids, maybe your wife, your significant other. And now add your pet to that list. And don't be surprised if you see a pet walking down the street with a pair of earbuds in their ears. Now, when I ask the question... It definitely applies to this story here. Ohio man seeks world record with beer only Lent diet. A guy by the name of Dale Hall. It says this guy Dale is giving up solid food for Lent and switching to a beer only diet in attempt to set a world record. It also says this guy has done this before. Back in 2019, it says he lost 44 pounds in 46 days on his beer-only diet. It says this year he's planning to extend his fast to 50 days to set a world record for a beer diet. He says, I don't think the extra days are going to be a struggle. The hardest part is the first few days. He said he's hoping to set an all-time world record, but he is not yet sure if the record will be recognized by Guinness World Records. 
Well, Ohio, you guys got a couple of interesting characters out there, huh? But I got to tell you, I find it's very interesting that they said that uh, this guy lost weight last year on a beer-only diet. I thought beer made you put on weight. You ever see these people with those beer bellies? But I, I guess apparently if you're not eating anything else and uh, you like beer and you, you want to lose some weight, well, <laughs> do like this guy Dell and have a beer-only diet. So what you want? Uh, how about these idiots here that went to the Walmart? It says a group of res- says a group of wrestling fans in Texas staged their own exhibition match in the middle of a Walmart store and shared the video of the spectacle online. Uh, the video was posted to Twitter by somebody with the name of Adrian Jeffries. It says it shows two men performing WWE-inspired moves in an aisle they blocked off at a Texas Walmart, while a third man in a referee costume officiated the match. The men perform moves including a Spanish fly from the countertop onto a pile of bean bags. And it also says here, it says, apparently the wrestling match didn't draw the ire of Walmart's workers as one is seen casually walking by in the video without objection. So there you have it. You know, some people have way too much time on their hands, man. I often wonder when I read stories like this, like, what? who sits around and thinks, oh man, you know, we gotta go to Walmart and have a wrestling match, you know? You know, and I don't know if these people are doing and I'm assuming they're doing it to go viral on social media. I'm assuming. Uh, I mean, because that's it's kind of what a lot of people want now. Well, this is your world 2020. We've got a little music going on up here. So if you happen to hear some music coming in through the mic, that's what's going on. You're probably not going to hear it, but just in the event that you do, that's what's up. Now, if you've listened to this podcast any length of time, you've more than likely heard me talk about the CTA red line. For some reason or another, the past few years, the red line has become a haven for idiots and nonsense. I mean, how many stories have you heard me bring up and talk about the red line? Well, what wound up happening while Silent and I were looking for stories to talk about for the 39th podcast, how many stories did I come across with some kind of incident happening on the red line? And not only for this podcast, do I come across it for pretty much any podcast that we record. There's always a story or two about nonsense going on on the red line. So I wound up texting silent one night and I said, you know what, man, there's so much stuff happening on the red line till if I talked about every story that I came across, it would take up a whole segment. 
So right then and there, I came up with an idea to devote a whole segment to the red line. And this segment is going to be called from Howard to 95th because the red line runs from Howard to 95th. So randomly, as I come across these stories, much like our stuff that didn't make it segment, probably not going to do it every podcast, but we just do it randomly. And more than likely, there won't be a shortage of material, especially this time of the year when we're heading into warmer weather where you're going to have more and more people coming out. Right. And what are they going to do? They're going to hop the red line and they're going to go from point A to point B and probably in the process, give us good material to talk about on this podcast. That is assuming the coronavirus frenzy will have kind of died down by then, you know. So let's get into this new segment from Howard to 95th. Do we have any sound effects to go with this? Doors closing. Perfect. Now, the red line runs from from one end of town to the other. If you want to go to Wrigley Field, if you want to go to Comiskey Park, well, it's no longer called Comiskey Park. I mean, it ain't been called Comiskey Park in years. Uh, what is it called now? Uh, guaranteed Rate Field or whatever the hell they call it, where the Sox play, the White Sox. A lot of people take the red line to go to the baseball games. If you stay on the south side, it starts from 95th and heads all the way up north. Or if you stay on the north side, it starts from Howard and heads all the way south. Now, it hasn't always been known as the red line. I want to say they changed. I want to say it was back in the very early 90s where the CTA started giving these different train lines colors. You got green, blue, purple, orange, pink. You got the brown line. If you ever watch the uh, opening credits to uh, Good Times and you see that L train ride past, that's the brown line train, which back then it wasn't called brown line. It was called uh, the Ravenswood train. And then, of course, you have the red line train. And just to give you kind of an idea of what goes on on this train, this story came out back in 2018. It says a man was taken into custody Thursday night after setting a fire aboard the CTA red line train. There's contradicting reports. Police say the man lit a book bag on fire on the train. However, witnesses say the same man tried to light himself on fire. Police do confirm the man was splashing some type of liquid around the train prior to starting the fire. Firefighters responded around 5.15 p.m. to the red line train after it was stopped at the Argyle station. No passengers were injured. And they have a picture and a little bit of surveillance footage of this guy on the train. That story happened back in 2018. That gives you an idea of what you're dealing with when you ride the red line train. Now, check this out here. This happened on the 13th of March. It says police seek two men in connection with robbery at Inglewood Red Line Station. Police are looking for two suspects wanted in connection with a robbery that happened Wednesday on the CTA Red Line Station. A 49-year-old man stepped off the train at about 3.13 a.m. at the Garfield station when two men approached him and implied that they had a weapon and demanded his items. The suspects ran off with the man's bag. They're described as 45 to 60 years old. Listen, man, I know there are a lot of people out there that have rough circumstances, but if you're between the ages of 45 and 60 and you still are robbing people for petty cash, I mean, you might as well just hang it up. Now, this happened on the 14th of March. A man and a teenage boy were stabbed Saturday on the CTA red line train in, in Uptown on the north side. 
A 39-year-old man and a 15-year-old boy got into an argument with a male wearing a ski mask at about 2.30 a.m. on a train in the 4600 block of North Broadway. The person in the mask stabbed him as they tried to exit the train at the Argyle station. The man suffered a stab wound to the right arm while the teen was stabbed in the left arm. They were both taken to Weiss Memorial Hospital in good condition. No one is in custody. And for some reason or another, that area, uh, that Argyle station, which, by the way, I've been on that Argyle station many a times. But they got a few stories related to that. It says and this happened about a year ago. It says the man was beaten at about 724 a.m. at the station. The attacker ran away before police arrived. Yeah, so I don't know what that's about at all. Now, how about this one here? Now, this was a police involved shooting. It happened back on February 28th. The sequence started shortly after 4 p.m. when when two officers assigned to CPD's mass transit unit saw a man jumping from train to train. They followed him off the train and approached him in the station. Both officers used stun guns and tried to arrest him. Then at some point during the incidents, one of the officers discharged a weapon, striking the subject twice. Shortly after the shooting, the two minute cell phone video began circulating on the media, showing both officers on top of the man struggling with him on the ground near the escalator as they tried to handcuff him. One of the officers yelled, give me your hands, give me your hands, stop resisting. The man eventually gets on his feet, stumbles backwards, and then the same officer can be heard yelling, shoot him. The second officer draws her weapon with a man just a few feet away and a gunshot is heard. The man runs up the escalator and officers follow. A second gunshot is heard off screen. And by the way, since that story has come out, the FBI is doing an investigation, and I believe this officer has been stripped of their duties while this investigation is going on. But uh, listen, man, I'm going to tell you something. As I said before on this podcast, I've been riding CTA on and off in the city probably some 20, 25 years. Uh, that red line has got a lot going on, man. And I'm going to tell you something. Uh, over the past few years or so, although I haven't really been riding CTA on a regular basis, because of my job schedule and my commute, it's just too far to ride public transit. Even when I was, I tried to avoid that red line as much as possible. But for the most part, when I've had to ride it, I've never really had those types of experiences. But uh, but I mean, there are a lot of people, man, if they got to get to work or they got to go to school or wherever they're heading, they got to hop that train. And uh, there's just no way of getting around it for some people. Universal Robot Band. Dance and shake your tambourine. Your funky 
right, dance and shake your tambourine. Yo, funky tambourine. You know, I came across this article. Check this out here. 72 condo project in the works for West Loop. Hubbard Street Dance is capitalizing on the West Loop development boom, selling its headquarters in a neighborhood to developers who plan to build 72 condominiums there. The property at 1147 West Jackson Boulevard, the dance company's home since 1998, the firm plans to start marketing condos in their project in the next couple of weeks and aim to break ground this fall. And this is a place by the name of Belgravia Group. But this is the part that caught my attention. It says Belgravia plans to list the condos in the low to mid 800,000 range. So here's what I want to know. How many people out here in Chicago can afford an $800,000 condo? And by the way, this isn't the only spot that these condos are going up. I mean, these places are being popped up all over in that area. Luxury high-rise apartments, condos with extraordinarily high rent. But listen, man, people can buy these things. According to this Belgravia, it says uh, Belgravia has found a sweet spot in the condo market by building mid-sized projects that appeal to families and empty nesters. Over the past eight years, the firm built five projects in the West Loop under its CA brand, which features large units, most of them three bedrooms and three bathrooms. And they're saying that CA stands for Carpenter and Aberdeen, the location of its first projects. They call it CA 23 in the West Loop. And Carpenter and Aberdeen are just the names of two streets that are located in that area. That's where they built their first project. And according to them, it says there's a great following and a great demand for these style of homes. So listen, if you've ever had any doubt that gentrification is going on, look no further than the corner of Racine and Jackson, an area that has been bombarded with all types of luxury high-rise apartments, all types of luxury condos. But listen, if you believe these people at Belgravia, there's a high demand for this stuff. So there's somebody out there, somebody out there, man, can afford this stuff. I mean, I know I can. I know Silent, you just said you can't. While Belgravia is running around building luxury condominiums, here's a study that came out here. Now, this came out back in April 5th of 2018, but make no mistake about it. I mean, this stuff is still going on. It says Chicago's affordable housing shortage needs neighborhood solutions. Rentals in Cook County remain unaffordable for the majority of low and moderate income households. Our latest report on the state of renting in Cook County finds a continued affordability crunch as more people became renters in the past 10 years, while affordable supply declined. This year's report finds that growth in renters is leveling off, but there are still about 182,000 more people who need low-cost housing than there are affordable apartments in Cook County. So while these people at Belgravia are running around boasting about the demand for luxury high-rise condominiums, you got 182,000 people out here who need low-cost housing. You go further down in the study, it says, while developers in the city have been building new apartments, most of them cater to higher income renters whose ranks are growing in Cook County. The number of higher income renters rose nearly 3% between the years of 2015 and 2016, the largest increase amongst any income group. Meanwhile, in neighborhoods across the city, Chicago is losing too many lower priced apartments to rising rents conversions of small apartments to single-family homes, and neglect. 
Since 2012, the county has lost more than 15,000 two and four flats, a very common source of affordable rental housing. In some neighborhoods, these two and four flats are turning over as rents rise with growing demand or as neighborhoods gentrify and new owners turn a rental into a single family home. In other neighborhoods where disinvestment is more worry than gentrification, homes are being lost to neglect. And again, this study is from 2018. But make no mistake about it, it's still going on. So listen, there's nothing wrong with building luxury condominiums, luxury apartments, and the people that can afford to live there, that's great. But there are so many of these luxury condominiums and luxury apartments being built up in various places across the city with extraordinarily high rent. But the problem is most people who live in Chicago don't make that type of money where you can afford one of these high priced condominiums. And there are a lot of people out here who don't make that kind of income and they need places to stay. And the problem is if everybody's running around trying to build luxury, this and luxury, that you got a nice percentage of people out here, like you heard in that report with low to moderate income, who's looking out for those people. I mean, I can't tell you how many of these luxury apartments and condominiums I've seen pop up throughout the city within the past 15 years. I mean, and how many of these people who build these things ever stop to think that, well, you know what, maybe there is a market for people with moderate income, low income, middle class, lower middle class. You know, if you're a single mom with a child, why does her only option have to be finding affordable housing in neighborhoods that aren't safe? But everybody in this country is so quick to turn a buck. Who gives a damn that there are 182,000 people out here that can't find affordable housing? That's your tough luck. Sucks to be you. If you heard the Chicago violence piece on our 38th podcast, you heard me talk about the fact that um, shootings were reportedly going down. At least that's what was being reported around the month of September. Well, here we are now in 2020. The same old stuff is still going on. I mean, I was really blown away at a lot of the news that's been coming out of this city 
over the past couple of months. Uh, this city is off to a roaring start. And I made this comment before on a previous podcast. I don't know if people are losing their minds or what. Now, a lot of the stuff I'm about to read comes from just the first couple of months of 2020. How about the story here? Three people shot, one fatally when they tried to rob a West Side heroin spot. A man was killed and two others were wounded, including a 15-year-old, when they tried to rob an illegal drug spot Wednesday afternoon. Here you have something here that happened at Lynn Bloom High School. A 15-year-old was robbed and a 17-year-old was shot while leaving a swim class meet. It said the father was furious about the lack of security at the high school. And the father is somebody by the name of Ray Murkowski. He said they didn't do anything to try to prevent this. The boys were lugging their swim gear, walking back to the car outside of the school. When a car pulled up and two people got out and confronted them at about 6.50 p.m., the 17-year-old took off running. One of the people from the car chased and shot him in the left side below his ribs. The other attacker snatched the boy's gym bag, both jumped in the car and sped off. And see, the thing about this is these two idiots that robbed these two young boys over a damn gym bag with uh, probably nothing in it but wet swim gear. I mean, what's the point of that? You know, I mean, it doesn't make any sense at all. And this is what I was talking about, about people feeling comfortable crossing boundaries. I mean, I know there are desperate people out here, but what the hell good is it to shoot somebody over a gym bag and you don't know what the hell is in it? I mean, I could somewhat see if they knew these boys were carrying a bunch of money around or something or the other. You know what I mean? But I mean, a, a gym bag? Come on, man. And I really do believe, and I've said this on previous podcasts before, I really do believe is that these people get guns and they're just looking for reasons to use them. Here's something here. It says suspects in a Logan Square shooting Tuesday night led police on a chase, fired at the officers and then crashed their car. Police said gang intelligence officers were conducting a surveillance at a funeral home where where a wake for a known gang member was taking place when officers heard gunfire and saw someone running on Armitage Avenue with a handgun. He then got into a silver Honda Accord and officers began to follow. And that's when you had a police chase. When the pursuit approached North Milwaukee Avenue, shots were fired at police officers. No officers were injured and three people were taken into custody. And here you have something here. Two people were arrested Wednesday after allegedly stealing a car in South Suburban Calumet City, then leading police on a chase into Chicago. Officers responded to a report of a carjacking at about 3.50 p.m. in the 1200 block of Torrance Avenue, Calumet City. They spotted the missing Volkswagen and followed it as it sped onto North Torrance Avenue, where it was confirmed that it was a stolen car. When officers tried to stop the Volkswagen and merge on the Interstate 94 into Fernwood on the south side, police were eventually able to stop the car near the intersection of 99th and Emerald Avenue. Carjacking. And if that wasn't enough, here you have something here. Chicago police issue safety alert about carjackers targeting women. Police have issued an alert about several carjackings in which multiple men targeted lone women on the city's south side. At least four separate incidents were reported between January 11th and January 19th in the Bronzeville neighborhood, Kenwood, Washington Park, and Hyde Park neighborhoods. In each instance, two or three offenders approached a woman who was alone and either sitting inside or standing outside of her vehicle. The unknown offenders then threatened the victim before stealing their vehicles. In each of the incidents, offenders pointed a handgun at the victims before entering their vehicles. No arrests have been made. Girl 17 shot in Logan Square after refusing to buy drugs. It says here someone in an SUV shot the girl in the foot after she and her friend refused to buy drugs 
in the 2900 block of North Harding Avenue. Carjackers steal woman's car at gunpoint in Old Town. She was sitting in her parked Honda CRV in the 200 block of West Scott Street when three males approached and one of them held a gun to her face. Boy 16 shot in Bridgeport Drive-By. The 16-year-old was walking in the 900 block of West 31st Street when someone shot at him from a passing black sedan. Car burglaries reported in Naperville. The suspects were last seen heading west on Delhi Road from Mill Street in a white sedan with tinted windows. Two men shot in Little Village. They were sitting in a parked vehicle in the 2600 block of West 23rd Place when they heard gunfire and felt pain. I mean, and I can go on and on and on. Man killed in Gresham shooting. Teen shot in Roseland. Three teens among six wounded in the Southside shooting. Burglar targets apartments in Chatham. Teen shot while riding a bicycle in Albany Park. People, what the hell is going on in our society? Shootings, robberies, carjackings, lack of empathy, no shame, no remorse, no answers. And I don't know how many of you all out there watch Live PD. I don't get a chance to watch that show that often. But this one particular day I had the TV on and it was on Live PD. I was doing some work on the computer and the TV was going, but the sound was down. And I happened to look up and I saw this video. It was a video of three guys shooting off guns. And I was looking at that video and I said, man, that looks like Chicago. So I hit the rewind button and turns out, yeah, I was right. There was a shooting here that happened that made its way onto Live PD. Now, maybe some of you all saw that. Maybe you didn't. This happened in the Avalon Park neighborhood over there on the south side, around about 79th. And if you watch this video, man, you see these guys that walked up to the store. One of them pulled the door open, looked in, and they just started firing. All at the same time, three guys shooting inside of a store, just shooting, 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 shooting. Well, in the process of all this shooting, they wound up murdering a young woman, 18-year-old nursing student that was killed in a shooting that went to Malcolm X College on the west side, Jaya, Jaya Beeman, J-A-Y-A-B-E-E-M-O-N. So she had just came back from the Shedd Aquarium with a friend, and they went into the store, they were getting some snacks, and then here come these three idiots uh, firing in the store for apparently trying to, um, according to this article, it says, police know the intended target that these three were looking for. Investigators believe the person left before the gunfire and was never injured. So in other words, these three people did all this shooting trying to hit one person and they never found them. But they wound up shooting this 18-year-old girl. They wound up hitting a 63-year-old man, a 17-year-old girl. And the police say none of these victims were the intended target. So there you go. And if you look at this video, man, they also have video footage of the car they got in. It was a white Dodge Charger and it had a little ding on the rear passenger side panel. You know, but here's a situation where three individuals, each one of them had a gun. Uh, all these stories you just heard me read, where these people are putting out weapons and they're shooting, they're robbing people and doing whatever comes to mind. Again, it goes back to something that I keep talking about on this podcast. I, for the life of me, cannot figure out where the hell all these guns are coming from. How are all these people getting these weapons? When you look at this video and you see these three guys shooting inside the store, I mean, these guys look really young to me. Now, I don't know what the ages are of these guys, but I got to tell you something. 
they look awful young. And the thing that I can never really figure out in these cases is where are these people's parents? Where are these people's guardians, uncles, aunties, grandparents? I mean, what are people teaching their kids where they feel comfortable enough to go out and just randomly shoot people with uh, no remorse at all? You know, no regard for someone's life. And the reason why I asked the question, what's going on in our society is because I'm wondering why are people becoming so cold hearted towards others? Why are people becoming so angry towards others? These are questions that I ask frequently on this podcast and I never seem to get an answer to. And you see this stuff so frequently now, this lack of empathy, this lack of remorse. So maybe we don't even notice it anymore. I mean, you see it. You see it in things like these mass shootings, trolling on social media. You watch a lot of these reality shows and things where there are people fighting and arguing all the time. I mean, maybe we see this stuff so much now, man. So we don't even pay attention to it anymore. I mean, I don't know. But all I can say is this stuff is extremely disturbing to witness. You know, I walked into um, the Target recently and, uh, you know, and it's one of these super targets where you walk in and pretty much anything you can think of, they have it, you know, food, household appliances, household cleaning supplies, toiletries, clothing apparel, electronics. Well, I'm walking through this Target and and I randomly walk past the electronics aisle. Well, what wound up catching my attention was they had a few new release CDs on a display case, which even still now in 2020 still catches my attention. And what I happened to notice while I was looking at some of these CDs right next to it, they had a vinyl section. And that really caught my attention because years past when I would walk in a lot of these uh, Walmarts and Targets and Best Buys or whatever, Circuit City, and you would see a bunch of CDs, but you never really saw at least not that I can remember, you never saw vinyl. Well, now here in 2020, for some reason or another, vinyl has been making a comeback. Now, I really don't know why vinyl has been making a comeback over the past few years or so. You know, I remember back in probably the late 80s, early 90s, there was such a push to get people to get rid of their record players and their records and to start purchasing CDs. No more cassettes. No more records, 
CDs is the wave of the future, at least as far as the record industry was concerned. And I remember all these people back in the day talking about how great the sound quality of CD was. You can hear everything. Everything is crystal clear. It's just like you're sitting in a room with them as they're recording and all this kind of mess they used to say about CDs when the industry was pushing compact discs. Now with vinyl, I'm starting to hear, oh, well, the music sounds warmer and that's the way you were meant to hear it. And it just sounds better on vinyl and blah, 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 blah. So I don't really know. I guess it all boils down to preference and cassettes. I mean, I don't hear anything about cassettes anymore. So I guess they just... uh much like a tracks came and went, I guess the same thing applies to cassettes. I mean, they were here for a little while and that's that. I mean, I don't hear, at least right now anyway, or any kind of resurgence of trying to bring cassette tapes back. But you never know what the future holds. You have all these nostalgia people. Usually how these things work is some celebrity would jump on social media and start talking about their love for cassettes. And then next thing you know, there'll probably be a resurgence of cassettes. I mean, you never really know why certain things start picking up again in popularity. I saw something earlier in the year on, uh, I think it was Good Morning America, and they were talking about 2020 fashion. There was talks about uh, bell bottoms are trying to make a comeback. So that means somebody somewhere decided, hey, you know what? It'd be great. Let's bring back bell bottoms. And again, next thing you know, you have a resurgence of people walking around with bell bottoms. So I'm saying all that to say that you never really know why these things grow in popularity. But whether it's vinyl, compact disc, cassettes, a track. But right now in 2020, what trumps all of that, uh, no pun intended, is streaming, music streaming services, Spotify, Tidal, Apple Music. Those are usually the big three when you're talking about streaming services. But you also have things like Google Play and Pandora, Deezer, iHeart. So there are a lot of options to choose from. I remember when I was first aware of what a streaming service was, and I might have even talked about this on an earlier podcast in terms of music streaming, I got one of my first smartphones. I think it was through T-Mobile, if I'm not mistaken. You know, a lot of times when you buy these smartphones, they already have apps on them. Well, on this particular phone that I had, there was, and I don't know how many people remember this, the Beats by Dre music streaming service. I mean, this was my first introduction to music streaming. And the app had been sitting on my phone for a little while. And one day I just decided to pick it up and try it out. And, you know, they give you a free trial or whatever. But I was always kind of resistant about paying for streaming because my thought process was at the time that, well, I pretty much have everything that I want to hear anyway. So what the hell do I want to spend money X amount of dollars a month to stream music that I already have, you know? But once I use this free trial, I mean, I was hooked because... Although there was a lot of stuff I had, there was a lot of stuff that I realized that I didn't have. And all you got to do is type in a search and entire albums pop up that you can just listen to at your whim. I mean, that's really what kind of uh, sold me on streaming services. And I've been using a streaming service ever since. Now, since then, Beats by Dre, I think, was bought by Apple Music some years ago. And I wind up now switching over to Tidal, which I love for the most part. I mean, there's some things that I'm unhappy with, but for the most part, overall, for me anyway, uh, Tidal versus Apple Music, I prefer Tidal. Now, I know there are some of these geeks out there that get into all the tech specs and all that kind of mess, but for me, Tidal works just fine. You know, it's all a matter of preference. But right now, in terms of music streaming services, Spotify is king. Now, that's always subject to change. Apple Music comes in second. I'm not exactly sure where Tidal ranks. They might be about third or fourth, but Spotify right now is king. 
Now, I don't know how many people we have listening out there that use a music streaming service. You got some of us old heads out there that might still be kind of resistant to uh, music streaming service. As a matter of fact, I got a friend in silent. You know who I'm talking about. I got a friend who he's a music geek, but he just can't give up downloading music off the Internet and making CDs, making CDs, having a copy of this stuff like he likes to have the actual copy. And his rationale for doing so is, well, in the event that something happens to the streaming service, that it goes down and you can't stream music anymore, if the Internet crashes or or whatever the case may be, phones stop working, phone services go down. Well, he's got all his music stored and tucked away on CDs somewhere safe, which I got to tell you, man, he's probably not that far off, given the things that have been going on in the news lately. <laughs> he might not be that far off. Now, one thing I can get with him on in terms of having your own physical copy, I don't know so much about streaming services going down and this, this that, and other, but a lot of this music, uh, in particular, when you're talking about older music, which is what I would be listening to, you come across issues with licensing a lot of these older records. For whatever the case may be, like, for example, a lot of Aaliyah's new music, once she severed ties with R. Kelly and started hanging around with Timberland and Missy, none of her music is available on any streaming services. And there's something going on with the licensing issue. I think it's uh, somebody in her family is refusing to license her music for some reason or another. Now, why that is, I don't know. I remember hearing a story about it some years back, but these are the types of issues you run into with streaming. I just read something recently. There's an issue going on with uh, Prince's song. The most beautiful girl in the world. There's licensing issues going on with that. I think some group in Germany was suing him for copyright infringement and the German courts ruled in their favor. And this has been an ongoing thing. I think they put this lawsuit in back in 95 or something or the other. So this is something that's been going on for the longest. But as a result, if you don't have a copy of that song, it's probably going to be virtually impossible to find it on a streaming service anywhere because because of this uh, licensing issue that's going on with that particular record. They were accusing Prince of taking their idea and using it for that song. The German courts ruled in their favor, and as a result, any money or any royalties that come from that song, even if they wanted to re-release it, they have to get permission from this German group, which is really, if you think about it, it's kind of uh, insane. So that's kind of like the downside of streaming services, in my opinion. But for the rest of America right now, music streaming is king. Music streaming hits 1 trillion milestone in 2019. According to Nielsen Music and MRC Data's 2019 year-end music report, Americans streamed a record of nearly 1.15 trillion songs during the past 12 months. That equates to roughly 3,500 songs for each of the country's 327 million inhabitants and marks a 29% increase of the 2018 total. At 746 billion, the number of on-demand audio streams grew by 24% in 2019, while on-demand video streams, things like YouTube, jumped 41% to 401 billion. So these are some really staggering numbers. Streaming both ad-supported and subscription-based now accounts for 30% of U.S. music revenues and has long replaced CDs and downloads as the number one way of consuming music, unless you're like my friend I was talking about a few moments ago. And according to this, it says video platforms used to account for the majority of on-demand music streams 
until 2015, the year Apple Music was launched. So here yet again is another way Apple just comes in and changes the way we do things. And they also have a graph here that shows throughout the years, going all the way back to 1978, how people were getting their music. And it covers things like vinyl, cassettes, CDs, uh, 8-track. 8-track looked like it came as quickly as it went. I mean, 8-track came, according to this chart anyway, by 1978, it looked like it was peaking and it really fell off once the 80s hit. I mean, it, I mean, it fell off the charts and never came back. I remember uh, my uncle had a Cadillac back in the day that had an 8-track, <laughs> had an 8-track player in it. <laughs> and that was probably, you know, it was probably about the late 70s. I think he got that car. His car was the only car that I ever been in that had an 8-track in it. Every car since then has always had a cassette player and then obviously the CD players later on. Records kind of fell off around about the 90s. Cassettes fell off around about uh, the turn of the century. CDs had a really nice run. They peaked in around about 1999. And then, and ever since then, they've been dying kind of a slow death. And kind of like 8-tracks, downloading kind of came and went pretty quickly as well. They had a little bit of a peak around about maybe 2011, 2012. And then streaming comes in and that's where we are now. So... I don't know. I just thought these numbers were interesting. I don't know how many of you all out there have music streaming. How are you getting your music? I mean, I don't know. But um, according to these numbers, majority of you are streaming. WNUA smooth jazz. Remember WNUA silent? A station I never listened to for no other reason than um, I just never listened to it. You heard me earlier talking about the old television sitcom Different Strokes. Now, for those of you who might have watched that program back in the day, uh, you might remember that Janet Jackson used to have a recurring role on different strokes she played uh the love interest of willis who was played by todd bridges which by the way they did date briefly in real life i mean they were probably in their what mid-teens around the time that that was going on now according to todd bridges he claims that they were dating and he wound up breaking it off because janet jackson was getting a little bit 
too serious for his taste. So he really wasn't all that interested in committing to Janet Jackson, which, by the way, Todd, you would have been getting the better end of that deal. No doubt about it. But there might be some truth to his story, because not too long after that, Janet Jackson wound up marrying one of those DeBarge boys. So she was looking to get hitched, you know. But back on Different Strokes, Janet Jackson was playing Charlene. And this was back before the control era and all that stuff. A lot of times people forget that Janet Jackson had a couple of albums that came out before Control. And as a matter of fact, there was one episode of Different Strokes she was on. I think Willis was trying to put a band together or something or the other. And he comes home and he's got Charlene hanging with him. And he's talking about putting a band together. And he says, oh, and by the way, you guys ought to hear Charlene sing. She has a terrific voice. And they're all kind of coaxing her into singing. And then she jumps up and she sings the song, um, The Magic is Working which is uh, from one of those earlier albums of hers that went nowhere. That was back when her father was uh, pretty much running her career, controlling her image, telling her what to sing, you know. Yeah, I mean, here you go here, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's not all that great. All I can say is thank God for Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. Because whatever was going on here, that, that magic wasn't working, right? So thank God for Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. And for some reason or another, man, I've been on a really crazy Janet Jackson kick. If you've heard somebody riding around the streets of Chicago bumping Janet Jackson, it was probably me because I've been on this really crazy Janet Jackson kick. And uh, she's supposed to be kicking off a world tour the summer now that's provided i mean we got to see what's going on with corona now i haven't heard anything at the time i'm recording this podcast about dates being canceled or whatever but um obviously we'll have to wait and see what happens but she's scheduled to kick off a world tour this summer and she's even supposed to have an album coming out uh this uh black diamond supposed to be coming out this year as well so we'll have to wait and see how all that plays out yeah here you go
Yeah, man. I mean, listen, with all this corona crap going around, I've been playing a lot of this music and trying to remember a little bit more simpler time. <laughs> you know. Give you some sense of normalcy. Take your mind off of all this uh, worrying about catching viruses and what have you. But that's what a lot of people out there are searching for. We're just waiting for things to get back to normal. And by the way, all you people that are running out and running to these beaches and parks and things. I know the weather's getting warmer and people are trying to get out, but you got to fall back on a lot of this stuff. I mean, the whole point of getting people to stay at home is so we can get back to some normalcy. You know, but you got these people that are running out and hanging out at the beaches and hanging out at the parks. I mean, if that's the case, then we might as well send people back to work. I mean, if you're going to go and hang out and, and chance and spreading this virus around, I mean, that's the whole point of getting people to stay home, you know, so we can kind of get this thing under control. No pun intended. It's just one of those things you got to do, man. I mean, we just got to fall back and chill if you can. Trust me when I tell you there will come a point in time when this is over with. But we all got to try to do the best we can to make sure we get past this. Hopefully as quick as possible so we can get back to some normalcy. And I guess by normalcy, I mean us going out to the malls and the, the movie theaters, getting in the screaming matches and shouting at each other, I guess. But with all that being said, we've come to the end of another podcast, Podcast 39, another one in the books. I guess this is going to be known as the Corona episode. And this is another term I've been hearing being used a lot lately. Also, the foreseeable future. I've been hearing the talking heads use that term a lot. So probably for the foreseeable future, we'll be talking about this thing for a little while. But, you know, that's just how life works. I mean, you have challenges, man. I mean, there's always going to be periods in time in life where there are going to be hurdles, man. I mean, we just have to fight through it like we do everything else. And there's no doubt about it. I mean, this has been very difficult to deal with for a lot of us out here, not just in this country, but across the world. I mean, this is about as bad as I've seen it. But you know what? As difficult as it is, we will push through it. For this particular episode, I'm not going to say if you go somewhere and the vibe don't feel right, leave. Because guess what? Everything is closed. But I will tell you to stay away from idiots because that still applies. And people, just be safe. Take care of yourself. Take care of your families. You know, that's one of the reasons why we always end the podcast with this Lionel Richie track. As a matter of fact, Silence, start that over again. The reason why we end this podcast with that track is we try to end it on a more uplifting note. I mean, this song came out, what, back in 83? It's from the Can't Slow Down album. And as a matter of fact, I don't even know Silent. And maybe you can help me out on this. I always thought the song was released as a single, but I remember reading somewhere recently that uh, that was not the case. Do you remember? Yeah, I don't know, man. All I can tell you is I remember hearing the song being played on the radio back in the day. And for some reason or another, I thought there was a video for it, but that wasn't the case. And I guess that's why I thought it was a single. Whenever I've been in a down mood throughout the years, this is one of my go-to tracks. But whatever it is for you, find it, take advantage of it to help you get through these difficult and challenging times. So with that being said, I am E. This has been the Grown Folk Podcast, episode 39, another one in the books. And by the way, Silent and I are working on a way to get these podcasts out a little bit quicker. Not promising anything, but we are trying to work on a way to get them out just a little bit quicker than what we normally do. So be on the lookout for that. We're going to do the best we can. But in the meantime, until then... We are out. So many times you were so lonely.